Welcome to the Follow Me Podcast. I'm Allie Grant, the founder of Be Social. Each week, we're inviting influencers, entrepreneurs, and the digitally savvy to share their social media story. We're going to break down how they've grown a business through their social footprint. Join us by following along on their journey. All right. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Follow Me Podcast. Allie here, and I have Kirsten, our VP at Be Social. Hi, Kirsten. Hi. <laughs> Are you so scared right now? <laughs> so scared. I have no idea what's happening. I know. I'm like, can you just hop on this for me, please? Um, <laughs> while you're in the middle of like sales calls and dealing with accounting. But okay, so we start every episode with what you saw on the internet this week. So what did you see on the internet this week? Mm, this isn't necessarily something that came out this week, but we recently started testing out a platform called Ephemeral AI. Uh, and it helps you you automatically capture Instagram stories and insights metrics from influencers you're working with without having to manually record these or ask any like influencers to opt into a platform, which we all know they hate doing. So really great for campaign tracking. So we don't have to have somebody doing this on their phone or computer or worry about missing any, you know, content that goes up over the weekend. And we can run multiple campaigns at a time. And it's all saved in this cloud platform that lives forever. (laughs) So it's been great for for our influencer team and to reduce like our reporting time. And um, it's Mm -hmm. really been the only thing that I've seen that's been able to do that and get around uh, Instagram's AI. So that's been, that's been great for us. And what's it called again? It's called ephemeral AI and it's a London based company. Okay. I don't know why that word is like, really feels like I can't say it and I don't know what it means. I might not be saying it correctly. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Who knows? Um, okay. That's a good one. Mine would probably be the fact that SAG is allowing influencers to join. So it's still sort of like up in the air on what that means, but definitely keeping an eye on that and watching it because it could mean basically influencers can join SAG, which is a union, and there's a lot of benefits that go into that. So very interested in learning more as that unfolds. Yeah. Okay. Well, now we can get into our intro for our guest today. I'm really excited about this guest. She's really amazing and funny and such a professional podcast host. So let's get into it. Kelty Knight is an Emmy Award-winning television personality and Entertainment Tonight host. She has co-anchored CBS's broadcasting and national events such as the Thanksgiving Day Parade and the Grammy Awards red carpet. Kelty was able to combine her entertainment and entrepreneurial expertise into a podcast she co-created and co-hosts, The Lady Gang. Let's get into it. All right, let's do this. Okay, so we start every episode the same. And I feel like you're going to know the answer to this because I take you as someone who will. Okay. But do you know your first Instagram post ever? (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Do you know it? Oh, well, yeah, I had someone dig it up. No. Like years. Yeah, I'm like 10 10 years. I have a feeling that. It was back. I remember specifically having an Instagram for the filters only. 
Yeah. You know, like I didn't know how to use it. I just posted the picture because at the time you could only get filters on Instagram and then it automatically saved your camera <laughs> yeah. roll on like iPhone one. Cause that's how old I am. What was it? Oh my God. I'm so embarrassed. Um, it looks like a selfie of you in the car. You have like a little, like you have the bangs, the side swoop bangs, some sunnies on and maybe like an American flag vest or scarf. It's hard to say. <laughs> Oh, no, that's actually a scarf that my then boyfriend, Chris, got for me from the royal wedding. It's a British flag. Okay. Um, okay. (laughs) And it was sent to Christina Aguilera, I think, and he brought it home from his office for me because he knows I love the royals. And that's like when we first started dating. So thanks for bringing that up. Actually, that's a wonderful memory. Oh, and it's literally from June 2011, which is so long ago. Um, So take us back to that like time period. What were you doing in your life? June 2011. Okay. So I was living, I had just transitioned to working in television. I had just retired being a professional dancer like mm-hmm. literally that year. I think my last gig was with Beyonce in 2010. So mm-hmm. I, I was like just transitional and I had just started dating my now husband, Chris, which I remember, which is probably where I got that scarf. I mean, I know that's yeah. where I got that scarf. And I was kind of like an idiot where I was just so, you know, when you're young and you're so hopeful that you don't really mm-hmm. understand the uh, parameters in which you actually have to live normal life. I was still in that like super hopeful. I can be anyone who I want to be vibe. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's a good place to be, though. Are you in California here, New York, or where are you living? I had just moved to California. So I had just moved to California. I lived in New York for 10 years, moved to Cali to be neighbors to my best friend, Christina Perry. She was not signed yet. She had not made music yet. We were very, very, very poor. And like we were, it was like, like a combat boot nation. Like we were very much into girls in combat boots and it was like wow, okay. un- unforeseen. <laughs> like, what do you mean you're going to wear a skirt and combat boots? I remember specifically, I think this year, I'd have to uh-huh. Google the year that b- the burlesque movie came out, but I specifically mm-hmm. remember walking the red carpet at the burlesque movie premiere in like a feather dress, those big black nerdy emo glasses and combat boots yeah. that had lipstick heart straw on, on them with nail polish. Like the classy bitch I am. Wow. That's like a lot. That's a lot to digest. Yeah. <laughs> so gross. I need like you to send me a picture because I don't know if I can fully visualize it. It's a lot. But it's a lot. Yeah. And then you said you're working in TV or starting to work into TV. Like, tell me about that process. Cause that was like actually my dream. I like you have my dream job. Like I wanted to be like an on-air host of some sort. So how do you get into that? Yeah, it's a it's a kind of a bizarro thing. And I think that for the most part, there's there's two sort of ways you go. You either go like news girl or entertainment girl. And for mm-hmm. me, the way it happened is that I had just moved to Los Angeles and I was truly looking for dance jobs and like some commercial, you know, commercial, like I had been in like a Nike commercial and and those all those kinds of things to do around dance adjacent, if you will, you would find on like backstage.com and the backstage newspapers, the newspaper still existed then. And so like every Thursday, pick up a backstage, you look at all the auditions, you make a plan on like where you're going to go audition. And so I had done that. And I remember seeing a post for like a VJ needed VJ for a music show. And I was like, well, I love the VJs. Like I want, Uh that's what I wanted to be when I was growing up. And I love music and I loved dating musicians. So I was like, this is the job for me. 
So I went, I had no skills. I had never taken a hosting course. I didn't have any hosting on my resume other than making like YouTube videos. And I went and I got the job over all the other like hosts in LA. It was for a music show on Live Nation. So we went to South by Southwest and we did this whole thing. Wow. I was sponsored by The Gap and I got like all mm-hmm. these free clothes from The Gap at The Grove and I was like so excited. And so I kind of looked at it like, wow, I've been auditioning for these dance and commercial jobs and I go to like 500 auditions to get one job. Mm-hmm. And the hosting is like one-to-one right now. So like maybe I'm in the wrong business. (laughs) So I started doing that. And then I came back to LA and I was like, okay, I got to take some classes. I have no idea what I'm doing. They were like, oh, the teleprompter markings. I was like, I don't know what this is. So Mm -hmm. I hooked up with this woman, Suzanne Senna, and she teaches like this Senna series. She's an old e-host. And I took her classes and she was like an awesome mentor. And she invited me to a lunch. (laughs) This is the craziest story. She invited me to a lunch at her house. She was having with like a few of her esteemed girls that she was mentoring and like some people in the business or whatever. And I went because I was like, yes, I'm going to meet like an agent or someone. I went, I ended up meeting this really great lawyer who's still my lawyer to this day. And she was like, oh yeah, like I could, I could get you an agent. And then I met this other woman who worked at CBS and she was like, oh, what do you do? And I was like, well, I have this blog on BuzzNet and (laughs) I'm a dancer and I make YouTube videos and I just hosted this music (laughs) show. And she was like, oh, well, will you send me your stuff? So I sent her the stuff. And then a week later I got a call and they're like, do you think you could do what you did for BuzzNet for CBS, for the, for our website? They had just started websites for TV shows. Wow. Okay. And then I was like, yes, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know anything. I taught myself Final Pro, how to edit, how to upload, how to write copy, how to do phone interviews. Like, I mean, I taught myself everything and basically became a digital correspondent without any prior knowledge of what I was doing. That is so crazy because I feel like people go to school for that. They intern for that. They oh, like, yeah. are, I feel like you found your, I mean, you're so good at it. It makes sense. But I think that is such a, a wild story. And did you get an agent at that luncheon? Yes. <laughs> or did you ever find an agent? It was actually really fun to be me in that era. Because I was so unaware of like how Hollywood really worked. So I really didn't have any idea what I was doing, how I was supposed to be, what I was supposed to be like. So this is like, I've actually never told this story before, but I got called in. She called like agent friends. I went to a meeting at William Morris, which for people listening is like one of the biggest, most esteemed agencies. I went in a black legging, a Van Halen (laughs) t-shirt and a combat boot swinging this little book I had (laughs) self-published. And I was like, I want to be a writer. I want to be a host, like all these things. And they were like, oh, the book, (laughs) they ended up taking a meeting and optioning it with a production company. Hillary Duff was going to play me. I actually went to a meeting with Hillary Duff. I mean, I was so far along this. I had no idea what I was doing. I went to a meeting with Hillary Duff to meet her and explain my story so that she could like see if she wanted to play me. Like it was so bizarre. Anyway, it all fell through and none of it happened, but it was so weird. So yeah, I got an agent. I ended up meeting my agent, Justin, who is still my agent. Now he's at ICM, but like okay, all back in that era of like, and we laughed so hard about the time. I used to wear like one feather earring and go to business meetings <laughs> in a Van Halen t-shirt. And I really just didn't understand. I totally remember the one feather earring. What was that? Ooh. I don't know. But it was, it was so wild. And And I just had no idea what I was doing. And that's what made it so fun is like, I just, Mm -hmm. I wasn't trying to be the girl in the spandex dress and the heels. Like I didn't even Mm -hmm. really know she existed. To be honest, I did not have a television until I moved in with 
my boyfriend at the time, Chris, like I just never could afford a TV. So I didn't really understand E, you know? So for people listening, like what does an agent do for someone like you and how does that process work? So I always say this now with love, I say to all agents in the world, speaking to an agent, I mean, technically, do you call yourself an agent? Kind of? We're management. Okay. Management. Yeah. So B-Social is very different, not in to get into the nuts and bolts, but essentially an agent, they sort of have the Rolodex of like where you want to be. So if they have like a talent, they hear through the grapevine, oh, E! News is looking for, E! News doesn't exist anymore, but if it did, they're looking for a new host and they really want a Latina woman that speaks uh, two languages. Then they get sent that information. The agents go through their roster list of everyone at the agency and they're like, all right, we have these four people and they take your information, they send it, and then they try to volley to get the job for you. So be like, you should really see Sally. She's incredible. Um, she's so great. Oh, have, did you check out Sally's stuff? She's so great. You should have an in-person meeting with her, blah, blah, blah. So they help you kind of get jobs. They are mentors. They help you along the way. I think when you're, I'm not there yet, but I think when you're super successful, they bring you like tons of options for things. And they're like, which ones do we want to say no to? And which one do we want to say yes to? I say, I'm at the point where I'm kind of saying yes to everything still. But but, but the thing is, and I hear this all the time, people are like, I got to move to LA, get a great agent, and then I'm going to have a great career. And that's just like simply not what happens. A great agent doesn't necessarily, like that's not the final step. That's the first step. Getting a big agent at a big agency is useless if you don't have the ideas and mm-hmm. the work ethic and the connections on your own and you're not networking and you're not making shit happen because- mm-hmm. Agents can only blow up something that's already happening. You know, like people yeah. come to us now and they're like, Lady Gang, oh my God, so crazy. We should like get in with the Lady Gang girls. And I'm like, we created that. Like the agents are now excited about it because they can make money off it. But in the beginning, everyone was like, what are you doing? What's a podcast? Right, right. No, that's so true. And we have the same thing. Like people will come to us and be like, I want to, you know, be big on social and do all these brand deals. It's like, well, the talent has to put in the work to create the content and, you know, make a community. Yeah. yeah. So same in my world. Okay. So then now you're at entertainment tonight. So when did you leave CBS and what was that process? So CBS owns a lot of television shows. They owned a show that was nationally syndicated called The Insider. And that's who I started working for, theinsider.com. So I had a little show on theinsider.com. And then over the five years I was at Insider, I got moved up from digital correspondent to like appearing sometimes on the show, to being a contributor on the show, to being a full-time correspondent on the show, and then weekend host of the show. And then Insider got canceled, I don't know, a few years ago. And I remember this. You like spoke a lot about this. Like you were really sad, right? I was was really sad. Insider was like my favorite and all my favorite people. And then because... Entertainment Tonight is also a CBS show. They moved me from Insider to Entertainment Tonight, which was really exciting for me. Also heartbreaking because like a lot of my friends on the Insider didn't get to come. So it was like, you're, you're feeling like you're the blessed child, but also, you know, it's heartbreaking. Um, right. Because a lot of people lost their jobs, you know. We had filmed our shows in the same newsroom for all these years. And you're kind of okay, like looking up at the okay. big sister being like... Mm-hmm oh, I I can't wait till I'm driving the Ferrari because right now I'm in, you know, I'm in the 2006 BMW that's leased, you know, (laughs) and and they're both great shows. So I was really, really excited to be on ET. And I think 
I had like incredible, incredible years. I mean, I'm thinking about being at the Cannes Film Festival and at Paris Fashion Week with Victoria Beckham and Gala. I mean, just like now, especially during this time when we've been at home, I'm like, wow, I used to be like in New York every week and it it Mm -hmm. was crazy. And so this year I'm a special correspondent. So I've taken a step back to focus on Lady Gang and some other TV projects that I have in development. So I'm just popping up here and there when, you know, when I have celebrities that I want to talk to or interviews or it makes sense. So it's a little bit less pressure than that like daily grind, but I'm still there. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I didn't know that you had stepped back in that capacity. And is someone like you who's considered, I guess, like a, you know, host or a talent on the show, are you paid like a salary or are you paid more in in a different capacity? Just kind of curious how they lay that out. Yeah. So mostly you hear about these things like, oh my God, Matt Lauer was making $17 million a year at the right, Tisha or yeah. whatever. I mean, those, yeah. those contracts are pretty few and far between, but most like most other employees, you'll have a salary and they'll own you in that way, like exclusivity mm-hmm. wise, like you can't yeah. go work for Access Hollywood if you work for ET and you get mm-hmm. a dressing room and a parking spot and hair and makeup and we're going to give you this much money for wardrobe or whatever those deals are, you know. There's also deals where like in my capacity now for this season of the show where it's more like a pay for play. So they don't own me for a salary every year. They can't tell me like, hey, it's Saturday, you have to work, you know. Mm-hmm. I get to pick okay. and choose and then get paid kind of a la carte for what what I do. Like way less pressure, way less like time commitment. That seems like an ideal situation because you have the lady gang. So let's dive into that. Did you think of the idea of lady gang? Like take us back to the beginning. So crazy. So Becca and I knew each other in New York when we were both trying to be on Broadway and she successfully was on Broadway and then she got Glee and she came out to LA. And so we, we kind of, she had this fashion blog and I was still you know, working in the online space. And anyway, we had discussed about like, hey, how can we collaborate? And we were having lunch one day and we're like, oh, we're just such like, why is no one talking about vaginas or like mm-hmm. bad boyfriends or like any of the real stuff, like this disappointment of not getting the gigs we want and blah, blah, blah. And she was like, God, we need a TV show. And I was like, well, no one's going to give us a TV show. And then she heard through the grapevine that Gwyneth Paltrow and like all of these super A-list women in Hollywood have like a secret society that we don't know about. And they all together like discuss salary and commissions and whatever else, all the deals. And they elevate each other by helping each other be like, hey, I'm making $20 million from a movie. That's like what we're charging now as women in Hollywood or whatever. Like, I don't know if that's true or not, but we just heard this rumor. And that she called it the Fempire. Like that should, that's what she Ooh, called it. Yeah, so we uh-huh. thought, oh my God, we should make a show called Fempire, but we need another girl. And we got Jack mm. and we launched it as Fempire. And then- we got sued, well, almost sued because someone else owned that name. So we had to change it to Lady Gang. But essentially, no, we had no idea what we were doing. I had been listening to like NPR podcasts for a couple years. Really, there were no females in the podcasting space. I mean, there was Sex with Emily and there was maybe a handful. And mm-hmm. we got signed to like this sports guy who's like a Laker <laughs> fan who had like Adam Carolla on his network. And he was like, sure, I'll do a girl podcast. He had like no idea. There was no one, there was no way to get like a tampon yeah. advertiser because there was no other female shows. Anyway. Was that with podcast one or yeah. was that? Okay, got it. Okay. With podcast one. And so we had no idea what we were doing, but it was an instant hit. So we knew we were onto something. I mean, the first episode, I think we had 80,000 downloads, which 
at the time was like, we were really excited about now we would be like, that's a failure. But at the time we were like, wow. And then it just kept growing every single week. I mean, from first episode, we've never looked back. And I think that's because people were like, they really needed this. It's like when Kim Kardashian came out with the one-legged spank and you were (laughs) like, I've been cutting my spanks for all these years to wear a one-legged gown. And now you've given me a left leg skims spanky thing. (laughs) And like, Yes. Thank you. Like, I've been waiting for this. I felt like people felt that way about Lady Gang. Oh, my God. So your first episode had 80,000 downloads. That's crazy. That seems like a lot. I mean, what do you, can you say what you're getting today? I mean, we don't disclose our downloads, but I'll tell you that if we got $80,000 loads, it would be a very, very big failure. It's, okay. We're, wow. We have, we just celebrate 110 million downloads of the show. So the episodes are getting, you know, millions of downloads. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. Oh my gosh. Did you like ever think it would get to this point? Or you were more so thinking of like kind of a side hustle and it'd be fun? Like, or did you have this vision of creating such a big business out of it? I think like most people who are like entrepreneurs or start something, like, did you ever think that you would like be managing like everyone cool in Hollywood social media (laughs) brand deals? Like, no, like you never think, oh my God, this is going to take over my life. Like, I think I had always been doing some sort of side hustle. When I was a dancer, I had the blog. Mm -hmm. When I was a blogger, I had the book. When I had the book, I was a dancer. When I was, I was a VJ, when I, you know, like I always have been kind of making money in a lot of ways. I'm a hustler. I'm kind of scrappy like that. So I, I was kind of thinking of it like, oh, it'll be cool if we can each make an extra $200 a month. Like, that's great. I pay my phone bill, you know? No idea the insurance and, you know, Mm -hmm. healthcare and uh, having employees and having teams and, you know, all of those things, like what a big business would look like for sure. Yeah. And you have so many different like facets of it now. You have the subscription box, touring, book, clothes. What else? Am I missing things? The podcast networks. We have like eight shows on our network. It's just a lot of things. It's it's a lot. Oh my gosh. And like, well, I guess like what Be Social is like part of is like helping with the brand deals and things Uh like that. And that piece alone, like I can't even imagine like your podcast reads and all of the income there. And then like just the social integration with different brands, like a Kettle One. Like Mm -hmm. it's just like sky's the limit here because you've built such a crazy dedicated community. Yeah. I think that we early on the secret to the brand sauce was that we were very discerning about who we partnered with. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when you first start something like this, you get so excited when someone offers you $200. You're like, oh my God, I'll take $200 from anyone. And I was actually lucky because Becca had been through the fame of Glee and she had, you know, a pretty big, like 800,000 plus social media following. And so I think she had this like discerning eye of like, this can get out of control very quickly. And so, you know, we said no to diet pills. We said no to liposuction. We said no to anything that we wouldn't use. So when they came to us and they were like, do you want to do an ad for Dickies? We're like, well, we don't wear Dickies. Like, no. Like, and we said, we started saying no to things. And I think that our listeners started realizing that if we were going to take time out of the podcast or on our socials and say, hey, you should get these Brooklyn and sheets because they're really awesome, or hey, come on tour with us and you're going to see a show and it's going to be sponsored by Kettle One Botanicals and you're going to have this free spritz when you arrive and it's going to be so freaking delicious because the grapefruit flavor will change your life. And (laughs) you're going to then 
buy three more at the show and then a bottle on your way home. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it's like, we're not giving you a disgusting drink that you would never want in your real life. Like we've always been kind of discerned. Does that make sense? It's like, we believe in the things that we promote. And so with that, by being discerning, we have these crazy successful brand deals because we oversell, you know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. what a brand pays for in advertising. They get so many, you know, downloads or so many hits or so many sales. And so that's, that's been the secret sauce. Yeah. And we say that on our end too. It's like, you know, this brand deal might come your way and it's really shiny and the paycheck looks great, but everything you say yes to affects the potential opportunities down the line. So I think saying no to the diet pills and things like that, that weren't true to you guys has been, you know, open the doors to a clothing line with Express because that is organic and authentic to you guys. A hundred percent. And it's hard, you know, it's really hard, especially now that we have, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Like when you have employees, when you have people's paychecks, their rent that are depending on you, you're like, shit, we really need this money this month. And to say no to something, it, it can be really difficult. But I also think what you were talking about before is having like many different different income streams has been a real selling point for us. Like the podcast at the beginning of COVID took a major hit, like all podcasts did. The brands that advertise on podcasts are typically like a medium to small level brand. So Mm -hmm. the first thing they did was pull up their marketing budget for the year because they knew everyone was not going to buy. So we had like some hard months, you know, where I was like, wow, we're doing this episode with no brand deal in it. We're not getting paid to do this right now. This is free.com. But we were lucky because we had the clothing or we had the book or we had, you know, something else that was in the commerce space to be able to like make up that money from a business perspective, you know? You had your express collaboration. That's done now, right? Yep. That's been finished. And then you've launched your own, like you have your sweats, like that. What is it called? The lazy gang. It's like the nude collection, which I, I, I need that one. So cute. And so you're manufacturing those, selling those, but not in like collaboration with a brand. It's just on your own. Yeah. So we did the Express deal and it was incredible. It was crazy. It sold so well. They told us it was their best celebrity collaboration that they've ever done as full as as selling and in the middle of a pandemic when no one could go anywhere. So it was a testament to our ladies and how supportive they are of us, you know, and then retail kind of took a turn. Like it became apparent that they were probably going to step back from, you know, we had thought about maybe doing fall line with them and, and they were kind of looking at their business plan being like, we don't know what's going on for the rest of the year. So we, we just kind of decided like, let's try and do this ourselves. Jack in Lady Gang has like a background in clothing. And so we decided to partner with the kind of the same team behind the Express team, like the manufacturers and stuff. And we got this idea that we would create the first lady sourced brand. Um, Mm -hmm. And so this is what we're moving forward with. We're actually planning our next summer launch and, and into fall of next year. What we want to be able to do is make things super high quality at like an, a good price, but we want to sort of ask our woman what she wants. So our idea is, all right, we're going to make three sweaters for fall. Are you guys a turtleneck person? Are you a V-neck person? Do you like this Gucci one? Do you like this one? Like, do you want a zhuzhi thing? Do you want a plain thing? Like, do you like a big knit? Do you like a small knit? Like, we're literally going to like crowdsource what oh, we cool. end up making. How is that through your um, Facebook group? 
Yes, we have the Facebook group. We have this really cool quiz situation. This this um, really, really, really cool website app called Interact, where we make essentially like these BuzzFeed quizzes and we put them out every week and, and people can do the quiz and get entered to win something. But then we get all this data on like, hmm. you know, what are you most insecure about? your boobs, your waist, your cankles, your arms, your face, like, you know, what, if you're going to buy a cardigan, what length of cardigan would you buy? Like, would you buy, you know, like what's, what, where, where do you shop? Like, what's your maximum price point? And it's been eye-opening for sure. Interact is what it's called? Yeah, Interact. Which is funny because, by the way, using a debit card in Canada to buy something is also using your Interact card. So, but we have all these different... Oh, I forget you're Canadian. Yeah. (laughs) We have all these different ways. There's like Facebook polls and all these different ways. Like we do have a community that we're constantly chatting with. So it's easy for us to be like, Jack really wants to make this crop top. Do you think it's ugly? Like we can ask our Mm -hmm. girls, which is amazing. It's like crowdsourcing to like just create what they want and would buy. And then it's like, it's not just designed by us. It's designed Mm -hmm. by all of us, like the whole community. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. So what else do you have in the works with Lady Gang that you can share with me? I think the coolest thing that we're working on, well, we're, we're going to, oh God, sorry. I'm like thinking about the list that I just (laughs) made of like all the projects. I'm like, what can I say? What can I not say? Um, I think we are going to try to write another book. The book, Act Like a Lady, did very well. It was an instant New York Times bestseller, which is like unheard of and exciting. And um, for a first-time author. And Becca really doesn't want to do a book. Jack and I really want to do another book. And we're... Why does Becca want to do a book? She just hates <laughs> doing a book. Like she still doesn't even like our book that we'd put out. <laughs> she's like, that, oh fuck that God. book. Um, <laughs> and she's such a good writer and has such good stories, which is like what's yeah. so funny about it. I would love to do a book and I'd love to know what your listeners think, but I'd love to yeah. do a book that's sort of interactive that has... We had the... When we sold the book, the Barnes and Noble edition that I think is sold out now, it had like this back section that was like just special for Barnes and Noble and it was called Lady Secrets. We set up this website called ladysecrets.com and everyone could kind of like uh demoi on Instagram now, like blind itemly send us their like most embarrassing secrets. And mm. We got so many of them that we printed a bunch of them anonymously. I would love to do like a Lady Secrets book with like mixed in with our essays because these stories that women have are just so fucking crazy. I like that idea. There's something there. I don't really know what it is yet. I have to really hanker down. I mean, it's, I think the biggest thing for us is that we have this opportunity. We've been doing Lady Gang for five years. Like it is as big as I think we can grow it. So right Mm -hmm. now we're kind of at that business crutch in a hard place of like, do you get a partner? Do you get acquired? Do you try to bring on someone who knows what the the fuck they're doing? Like, Mm -hmm. or do you just keep doing what you're doing? Cause it's great. And like, I can pay my rent, you know? So I just don't know. It's a really kind of a hard decision, I guess. Who would be like the acquisition target for something like that? Well, this is the problem is that like, I don't even know because I went to create and cultivate and like, I watched the panel on getting acquired and like, I still don't know how that happens. Like, I don't know really what that happens. I know Mm -hmm. that when I look at Lady Gang, I can tell you exactly what the Lady Gang skincare line would look like, what the booze would look like, what the clothing should look like, what the paper goods would look like, what the website should look like, you know, like what the vitamins should look like. Like I know what all those areas would be. 
and because the brand is so strong, I just don't know how to get there. So it's yeah. like we we were on Bethany Frankel's podcast the other day, and 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 she was like saying that Mark Cuban, when she was starting Skinny Girl, was like, "Would well, you need money, or do you want to get acquired?" And she's like well, I just want the money. And he's like, well, what would you use the money for? And she's like, I don't know. And he's like, then you don't need the money. Like, yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. I feel like for you, it sounds more like strategic, but also I guess if you have like deep pockets that you could do anything with, you know, you'd probably be doing a lot more. Right. So it's kind of both things. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about being like a female entrepreneur in this weird way is that Everyone, and I think our fans included, I think they think that there's more people doing the work than there are. Like, they'll be like, oh, the Lady Gang's team. I'm like, okay, because it's like Chelsea. You're like me? I'm like, <laughs> me? Like, I get the customer service emails. Like, it's funny. Yeah. You, you, you really come to realize, like, how much... <laughs> There is no team. There's like two people, you know, Um, and they're doing five people's jobs. Like it's just so hard to grow. No, I mean, I feel you like being bootstrapped, especially it's like in this beginning, like your first five years in business, it's just, it's really hard, right? Lots of ups and downs. And yeah, I don't know. I think that you could go a lot of ways with that. Be Social was acquired like not too long ago for the summer. And the process, like, the aftermath of it has been like amazing. It was such a seamless transition for us, but I don't know. I feel like there's a company called Dot Dash. I think they're the people who acquired like Who, What, Where and uh, My Domain. So, you know, something like that could make sense where then it's like they're acquiring you for X amount of money and then, you know, building a team around you guys to help kind of take it to the next level. Something like that could be interesting. Can I have that? Can I, can this, can this <laughs> podcast really have just been all to get to that point? Cause that's, yeah. I mean, for that, you like, you can hire a banker or a consultant to kind of like help you navigate what that acquisition partner would look like and presenting to them and kind of, you know, figuring all of that out. But that's a whole separate conversation. We can chat offline whenever you want, but <laughs> it's so an smart. Can you topic. write a book? Honestly, I wish that there <laughs> I mean, I know people are trying for sure. Like I, but I go to all the online courses and I'm like in all the Facebook groups and stuff, but it is so difficult to be a woman in business. There is Mm -hmm. just a secret fucking society and they will not give us the information. And, and, and I also feel like a little bit, like there's so few seats at that table of like getting Mm -hmm. acquired in that way that once you get to the top, you're like, well, shit, I really don't want someone else to come in and take this because there's only two of these deals happening this year. Mm -hmm. You know, it is so competitive. Yeah. Would you consider yourself like a media company? Is that kind of what? Yeah, I think like a media company, media community, I think. But then also like we're really expanding our commerce this year. So by the end of this year, I think with the amount of products and stuff, it's going to be media plus lifestyle company? What do you even call it? I don't even know what we are. We're like girls that love memes. Like what, (laughs) what do you say in an acquisition meeting? We're like, what's your brand? And I'm like, well, we have meme Monday in our Facebook group and it's like always great. (laughs) Well, they like it. Like they, the VC world anyways, likes to like describe yourself as it relates to something that they know about. Like you're the Uber of whatever the podcast world. That makes no sense, but you get it. I would say we're the goop of the oh. everyday vagina. Oh. <laughs> oh 
Like Gwyneth Paltrow's candle vagina is like very expensive. If you got a candle of our vagina, it's like a two for one at the Bath and Body Works sale in the discount Mm. bin. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. That's so good. I, I because Goop work. has like Goop has clothes. Goop has, you know, their community. Goop has live events. Yeah. Goop has, you know, it's like that, but it's, it's like way more lowbrow. <laughs> yeah, like the budget version, exactly. Okay. Like, I mean, don't tell Becca that she'll be so mad because she is kind of <laughs> fancy. But like, I'm She's so fancy. She's I'm like, like a, a girl who grew up in Sherpa Parker, Alberta. My dad is a mechanic. <laughs> my mom's a, like a fourth grade teacher, and um, like I wore hand me downs my entire life. My mom cut my hair like in a bowl for sure. So I just don't know that I have like. <laughs> I remember last year we got invited to a Goop party. And I was like, we got to go. It's like for a Netflix series or whatever. And I was like, how yeah. do we get invited to this? And we're like, no, Gwyneth knows all about us. And she loves us so much. We found out later, like it was like a Netflix girl was a fan of ours. But anyway, so we went oh, and it was like all fancy people. And I was like, oh, fuck, like these are my people. This is wrong. No. <laughs> I was like, I need like a Coors Light seltzer and yeah. a sweatpant. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so good. You know, OK, so I have a confession. I used to listen to Lady Gang like every day on my commute to work. But now that I don't drive to work. The problem of our business. I was going to say, is that affecting podcast downloads? Yes, it it really is. I mean, for us, we Lady Gang has grown 35% during COVID, which is unheard of. Every other podcast in the world is down. I think for us, people are really missing their best friends. And Mm -hmm. so they found other ways to listen, whether they're working out or they're going for their walk or they're listening in their homes. But for the most part, I actually think that we've had a really big year of branding with the book and and everything coming off the e-show, like we should actually have grown more. And I think the reason we didn't is because of COVID. There's just a lot of commuters that are not commuting anymore. And it's the easiest place to listen to a podcast. No, it is. Yeah. I had like an hour commute to downtown Los Angeles every day. And so that was my like podcast. There's only so many times you can listen to because you're holy, 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 (laughs) the Justin Bieber song. Because you know, the radio just plays the same songs overall. And then like even your Spotify is like, we're just going to keep playing the same songs songs over and over and over. Like I'm totally that listener, but uh, okay. I need to like start listening again because I I miss your jokes and your funniness. (laughs) I forgot how funny you are. Um, Okay. Well, this has been 40 minutes. I can't even believe it. So we just have a few rapid fire questions. Okay. Okay. I'm such a talker too. Well, I mean, this is your career. You're so good at it. Okay. Dream guest to interview. Paula Abdul. I've asked her like You've 500 times. You've not had her on? Like, no. I feel like she'd be so into it. No? I feel like Paul... I gotta be honest here. This is like some Hollywood gossip. I feel like Paula <laughs> would be really into it if I could get to Paula. But I can't Why get to her. Get to She's Paula. got gatekeepers. <laughs> she got gatekeepers. Uh, even like she did an Instagram live with Randy Jackson the other day. And they were like, I swear to God, only 220 people watching. And I was like, ooh, this is kind of sad for you. But I was on it. And I was like, I love you, Paula. <laughs> no, you should have asked her then. <laughs> You've like actually reached out to her agents or team. And oh, they're yeah. Just like, no. Oh, multiple. They know. They know the door is open. I literally my birthday is coming up. And I was like, for my birthday this year, year five of Lady Gang, we just had Lisa Vanderpump and RuPaul and Shania Twain. Yeah. Like, can I get Paula Abdul? Nothing yet. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'll manifest that for you because that feels you. like it needs to happen. Please. <laughs> um, what is your favorite quote? Oh, my favorite quote is a Mindy Kaling tweet. I'm probably going to script the exact quote, but it's something like, um, your motto should be, why the fuck not me? Mm, I, like I love it because 
I always think of this in my career. Like I see the girl hosting at the Oscars and I was like, that could be me. I see, you know, I see someone getting a company acquired and I'm like, that could be me. Like, why, why wouldn't it be me? Like if you work hard enough, you don't, there's not like some magic unicorn fairy godmother shit. Like it's just hard work. So. Mm -hmm. I so believe that. What are you manifesting for 2021 minus Paula? (laughs) (laughs) Um, oh God. I'm going to feel so bad that I don't have my like list right in front of me because, you know, I'm a big manifester. I am manifesting taking one ballet class every week. Mm. I got a ballet bar in my garage. I'm trying to take a ballet. Mm. I am very interested in getting health care for all of our employees. <laughs> mm. Oh, that's a, that's a big process. It's a lot of work. I know. And, you know, I got to be honest with you. I do have it on my list. that I would like to hit my big goal of 200,000 followers on Instagram. I don't know <laughs> what do you, it let is. Let me see. What are you at? 161. I okay. Know. You can do 40,000. I don't think I can. It's very difficult to grow. But I will say that I have like the K-types, like the Kelty fans are very intense, which as you know, mm-hmm. because we work together, like there's some people that I see that have like millions of followers. They don't have the same likes or swipes mm-hmm. or whatever. Like the Kelties are deep. Like it may be a small number, but she's, she's invested. Mm -hmm. Which is like, honestly better on the brand end. Like if you have higher engagement and I don't know, like I don't, if you had more followers, your engagement might even dip. So I don't know. I don't think you need to think about the followers as much. It's just that when you go, it's not so much. Okay. So like you are someone, sorry, I know this long, but I'll be quick. Cause I know that people are trying to get into this world if they're listening. So you on your end, you really understand social media. You know everything about the analytics and all this stuff because that's your whole bread and butter of your business. Mm-hmm. But there's still like this whole other section of like the TV show business world where they're like, oh, you should get this girl. She got 5.6 million followers. Like it doesn't matter if her dad bought yeah. this with his credit card. Like they're just so <laughs> impressed by that number. And so I feel like there is a bit of me that's losing out on different hosting jobs and different opportunities because I'm not like some viral sensation with like a million followers, you know? Even though I could have that same engagement rate, people are not of with it with the engagement unless they're in that business of social. How's your TikTok doing? Oh, I mean, God, I had to, I gave it I up. I mean, were, I, like that was a thing for you. Yeah, I did 30 days of TikTok to see if I could like make it happen. No, the, the reason that I can't, I mean, TikTok, it's fine. I have like 20,000, whatever. It's, it's great. My reels are getting better, but what hurts my feelings about TikTok is that on ET, we had the TikTok hype house, like Addison Ray, all those hot bitches on ET. <laughs> and in the day they dressed me in like a tweed pant and I looked like an old lady and they had me dancing with the TikTok people and the TikTok people gave no fucks. Oh, they were sitting no. on this couch and they were like not so answering. Funny. They were like, what is television? Like they did not want to <laughs> be there. I'm like pulling out this interview from these people. And now there's all these like hyper and super cuts of this horrific TikTok moment of me with all the TikTok stars and like people are making vlogs and making fun of me. So I'm kind of turned off from the TikTok community because when you have a real big girl job, you just do what you're told. You want me to interview the Tom Hanks? Sure. Yeah. You want me to interview Lil Huddy? Fine. I don't know who <laughs> Lil Huddy is. I don't give a, you know, you know, I'm yeah. happy for you, Lil Huddy. I heard you put out some music. That's lovely. <laughs> you know. I won't bring up TikTok again. <laughs> No, I love to dance, uh, so I feel like TikTok was such I know, a happy place for me. A thing but for you. Yeah. 
I don't want to be a part of a community. Like I'm happy to just be an old person and have my Facebook group. Like I'm, I'm okay with yeah, that. That's true. Yeah. And you're doing well there. Okay. Well, this is it. Where can people follow you? Please. 39,000 <laughs> of you, please follow at Kelty. No, at Kelty is just my Instagram. And then the Lady Gang podcast come out every Tuesday and Thursday, wherever you get podcasts. Well, thank you, Kelty. This was so great. You're the best. Want everyone to know that you were not brave enough to go on video. Oh, uh, no one wants to see that, especially not you, but that's, that's true. true. You're All amazing. Right. Congratulations. You. I'm going to hit you up about getting acquired. Yes. Yes. I'll help you. Bye, everyone. Okay, bye. bye.